Hi Marielta Ward, Bishop Murphy here again. I've got another conversion experience for you today, this time from Judy House. I hope you enjoy it. Hi Judy, thanks for uh, catching up with me about your conversion experience. How are you today? Good, thank you. Thanks for the opportunity. Great. Um, so let's start at the beginning. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about your, um, your childhood, your, what was your relationship with religion? Have you always had a belief in God? Why don't we start in that sort of general area? Okay. Well, I guess as a child, I had an innate belief in, in God. I can remember as a three-year-old praying each night, some little rote prayer. I can't even remember it now. Something about God being in my head and in my understanding. But my parents had no religion. Um, mm. My dad's family actually going back were Salvationists, members of the Salvation Army, but I didn't learn that until I started doing family history much later in life. Mm. So my parents didn't... My dad was never even baptised. They never went to church. They used to take us as very little kids and drop us off at a church where we would go to Sunday school but okay. I only actually remember being dropped off. I don't remember Sunday school at all. And so where do you think this sort of innate belief in God came from then? I have no idea. Um, I really don't have any marker experiences. I just remember praying as a very little child. Maybe it was something that was said in Sunday school because that was about the same time that I was being taken to Sunday school. I was only about three. Um, mm. Nothing, Nothing in my home life would have led me that direction mm. okay cool so what were i guess the circumstances that led up to you being introduced to the church then um i guess the the detail of how you actually met the missionaries or, or someone in, in the gospel but do you feel like there were some sort of core experiences that prepared you for that there probably were but i didn't recognize them until later i think I guess some of the things that may have shaped me without me knowing it, I was, my parents were very big believers in, in education. Mm. And so my brothers and I were all sent to um, Anglican schools because my parents figured we could get a better, better education in the private system than the public system. Mm -hmm. And so I had, a, I had chapel every morning. We had a school chapter that we had to memorise and I never remember taking any of that terribly seriously, um, but still, you can't help, I, I guess I couldn't help some things going in when it was a daily experience. Mm. And as a 14-year-old, I started going to an Anglican branch of the church or an Anglican church. And I think that came about because I started playing netball for a Uniting Church team. Uh -huh. And some of the other girls went to this particular church, but... I didn't choose to go when they went. I went to the 6 a.m. service. <laughs> so either I would get my dad out of bed and he would take me or I would just walk, walk the mile or so to church and I'd go to church every Sunday. And I don't think that went on for very long, maybe six months. Um, but I guess they were, they were formative things. Obviously, there was something within me that I didn't really recognise. Mm. Okay, so what were the circumstances that led to your being introduced to the gospel then? That, um, that's a long story, so I'll, I kind of cut it short. So I was at this girls' school and I had a couple of friends and through them I met an American boy who was going to school in Geelong, Victoria. Hmm. 
And so he, he had a girlfriend, had his life planned out. But whenever he came to Adelaide, I would be his date, blind date in the beginning, and then his date. And so we got to know each other fairly well over long weekends during the year. This was probably when I was about 16. And so um, we wrote spasmodically. He was a terrible writer. So after he left school and left Australia, I don't think I heard from him again mm. until one day, four years later, I was, by then I'd gone to teacher's college. I was a teacher. I'd been working for a year and I was driving home one day and the thought popped into my head, wouldn't it be funny if there was a letter from Lee when I got home? Now, I hadn't even thought of him for a good three years. I hadn't seen him for over four years. Mm. And when I got home, there was a letter from him. Coincidence. And, yeah, coincidence. So we started writing and I had money burning a hole in my pocket. And so he invited me to go to America for Christmas and meet his family. And so I thought that sounded like a fun thing to do. Mm-hmm. And then... Now, these were the days before you made long-distance phone calls and there was no email, so we were doing all this by, by handwritten letter. Mm. And right before I went, about three or four weeks before I was meant to be going, his letters dried up. Now, I'd been getting a letter a week as we planned this holiday mm. and all of a sudden there were no letters for a couple of weeks and I didn't know what was going on. And then right before I left... I got a letter from him telling me that he'd met these missionaries and he'd joined the Mormon church. And that when I came, he wanted me to meet the missionaries. Wow. I shot off one last letter that said, I'm coming for a holiday, not a religious seminar. No, thank you. The last thing I said to my dad before I got on the plane was, don't worry, they won't get me. No, I knew nothing about the church. My dad actually knew a lot more about the church than I did, but I didn't know that. Mm. And he never really said anything. But, um, yes, I I got to America. And probably not long after that, I met the missionaries. And they were two girls my age. I was 21 years old and they were 21. And we hit it off. I used to spend time with the missionaries on P-Day and go shopping and play tennis with them. And then they asked if they could start teaching me. And so mm, I said, sure. And so they did. So, so how long is this holiday planned for when you're going over there? Were you going over just for a couple of weeks or what was the plan? I was going over for six weeks. Okay. And um, where in, in the country did Lee live? Was he in, in Utah or where was he from? He was in Arkansas. He was in the backwoods of Arkansas. I mean, I didn't realise this at the time, but the church I went to was a teensy little branch in the mission field. Uh-huh. Um, turns out to be the same area that... Um, Elder Bednar lived a couple of years later when he went to Arkansas and was working there. He, in fact, Lee, this person who introduced me to the church, was his executive secretary. Oh, really? (laughs) What an interesting connection, yeah. Um, So back to these missionary sisters then. So you've you've arrived for your holiday, you've been playing a bit of tennis and hanging out, um, and then did they invite you to hear the missionary discussions? How did you progress from this, I guess, more casual association to a more serious investigation of the gospel? I don't actually remember the transition. I, I guess Lee probably asked if I wanted if I was happy to have them teach me, or they may have said, do you want to know more? I really don't remember the transition. I can just remember moving to a lesson situation with them. Mm. And what was that experience like hearing the lessons? Were there, what was it about the gospel that I suppose resonated with you? 
they taught me things, they told me things that just made sense. And, and that, in hindsight, is one of the... Now, I know the spirit must have been there because what they told me didn't make sense. Mm. Nothing that makes sense about the story of a 14-year-old boy going into a grove of trees and praying and seeing God the Father and Jesus Christ. Mm. Right? To, a, to an analytical mind, which I usually had, that story makes no sense. But I can remember being, I, I absolutely believed it. It made absolute sense. Mm. And I can remember saying to these sisters, that must have been in the newspapers. Now, we could probably go back and find an account of that in the newspapers. That's an amazing thing to have happened. Yeah, so just the spirit of, of I guess, believing, yeah, um, yeah. That, you were, that you were blessed with. Um, well, particular doctrines that, that appealed to me. Hmm. Uh, when they talked about the three degrees of glory, that just made absolute sense. I'd always, without actually putting a finger on it, I'd never thought it was sensible that there would just be a heaven and a hell. Because there's such a difference in in people that we don't all fit that heaven or hell mold. Mm. And so that doctrine really resonated with me. So you've known these sisters for a couple of weeks now. You've started having the, the discussions. How did you um, make the decision to to be baptized, and where were you baptized? Did did you come back to Australia and meet with missionaries there? How did that all play out? So, in the course of the lessons, I can remember they asked me to pray, and they taught me how to pray, and I can remember praying in a lesson, mm. but I don't remember anything particularly associated with that. I don't remember any strong feelings, mm. but then they they challenged me to pray about whether or not the church was true and I can remember I promised I would and so that night I knelt down by the bed and I can remember kneeling there thinking I don't even know what to say I don't know how to ask this question mm. and it was as if well Heavenly Father knew what I wanted and he didn't wait for me to ask and I just had the words you know it's true just resonate in my head and then I just felt as though someone unlatched the top of my head and just poured molten gold through my whole body just from the top of my head to the tips of my fingers and the tips of my toes just this incredible flowing warmth just went right through me and these words, you know, it's true. It was, it was amazing. And so when I saw the missionaries the next day and they said, well, what happened? And I told them and I said, said I want to be baptised. And so I, they planned it for um, a week later and I was baptised in what I've since come to know was a teensy little branch in Fayetteville, Arkansas in the Little Rock Mission. Do you remember much from your actual baptismal day and what that experience was like? Did, did the missionaries speak? What, what, how did the, the day go? I remember very little about it. I remember they came over and, and said how nice I looked. I'd taken a skirt with me and so I, I wore that. And then they gave me a white jumpsuit to wear. And I, I think there were other people getting baptised. Mm. Um, and so I don't remember a lot about the baptismal service at all. Mm. Um, I remember being... You know, get, waiting with the sisters and 
being baptised, and that's that's about all I remember. I don't remember anything about the service or who spoke or. Yeah, I think it's interesting. I mean, it's obviously been a number of years since you were baptised. That mm. those details, which sort of would normally be quite memorable in mm. comparison to the spiritual experience you had, which you seem to be able to remember with such clarity, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it speaks to the way that the the spirit communicates with us. It's not a, it's stronger than normal memory. It's stronger than in anything if we allow it to, um, I guess, grow and and remain within us. Absolutely, you know, the spirit spiritual experiences can. You know, obviously, as I as I related that, I was feeling it again, and mm. it was touching me again. And I think that's way deeper than any physical manifestation or experience or anything we see or hear. Um, so you've uh, gone away on a six week holiday. Three <laughs> weeks into, four weeks into it, you've um, joined a, a church, which is um, great. Um, what what happened then? Well, it, it wasn't. It wasn't easy, but it wasn't hard. You know, the experience I'd had, I knew what I'd done was right. I had absolutely no doubt. And so there was no going back. Mm. But it wasn't, it wasn't all smooth sailing. I remember the week before I came home, the sisters looked up in some almanac and they were super excited because they said, oh, there's a stake in Adelaide, there's a stake in Adelaide. And I had no idea what they were talking about <laughs> because I didn't know what a stake was. But they were super excited about that. And, and sort of explained to me what that meant. And so when I came home, I recognised that I had the choice to do something about what had happened or just to forget about it. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I knew I couldn't forget about it. And that was hard because I was an extremely shy person. And the thought of walking into a, a church where I knew nobody, even trying to find out where it was, mm. was was kind of scary but I knew I had to do it and so there was no choice Mm. and so I I looked up in the phone book to find the church and I went out the mission office was then where it is now I went out to the mission office and told them where I lived and asked them where my nearest chapel was which was Prospect Chapel and um, so the next week I started going to church I guess my family were, were good they didn't ever raise any objections my brothers kind of laughed a bit but um but they also didn't ask questions and i didn't invite questions which i should have Mm. but i found out afterwards that my dad went to the library and got every book he could find on on the church which of course were all anti Mm. but um i think my mum and I had a couple of conversations and she would always let the missionaries in when they came over. My dad would disappear out to the tool shed. But I think had, had my dad been at all welcoming, I think my mum probably would have been happy to listen. Mm. Yeah, great. Um, so you're a YSA. Um, talk, talk to me a little bit about how, I guess, the, this ward at the Prospect Chapel came around you. Were there people in the ward that were particularly, I guess, pivotal in helping you to remain strong in the gospel? Absolutely. I, I walked in there that first Sunday and I was surrounded by this little core of young adults who were just amazing. They just enveloped me and became an amazing support system. 
they just, I was amazed at how they enveloped me. I'd ne never felt anything like that. Mm. With just their unconditional love and acceptance. And it still wasn't all easy. I, um, there would be young adult activities quite often and I would drive there and sit outside and watch people going in and then drive home again without going in because I was still, I still was, was very shy and reserved and, and fearful of going into new situations. Mm. But definitely much better than I had been. Right. And I guess, um, as they say, the rest is, is history. Um, so uh, maybe just to, to finish up, you could um, share um, a little bit about, I guess, and it's a big question, but I guess one or two things. But, um, you know, um, how has the gospel blessed your life as you look back on that decision you made um, as a 21 year old you obviously couldn't have had a vision of how your life would end up um, as a result of that decision um, what are a few sort of key thoughts you have around um, how your life is different because of of the gospel of Jesus Christ well I think I think in one way as much as the story I just told about sitting outside in the car doesn't really illustrate it but I think I come across now as a, as a fairly confident sort of person and, and I am. Mm. And there is no amount of education or knowledge or intelligence that could give me the confidence that the knowledge that I am a daughter of Heavenly Father has given me. That has been absolutely pivotal in, in my life. Knowing that I'm a daughter of a king and that he cares about me. I mean, the fact that, that he even found me as a 21-year-old and knew what to do with me, that's one little experience that has always stood out in my mind. The day before I left Australia to go to America, two missionaries knocked on my door. Now, they weren't missionaries from our church, I know that, because there was a male and a female, but they were missionaries nonetheless. And I did not give them the time of day. I would not talk to them or let them in or in any way have anything to do with them. And I think Heavenly Father wanted me to have that experience so that I would know that he was in charge of what happened to me thereafter. So my life would have been very, very different. It... Um, the experiences that we've had as a couple couldn't have been duplicated in any other life or any other way of life. And Phil has been an amazing husband and catalyst for so much good that we've been able to experience. This gospel just means absolutely everything to me. And I can't even imagine life without it. I can't imagine what I would be like, what my life would be like. I don't want to. It's, it's just wonderful as it is. This gospel is just amazing. That's great. Well, thank you for sharing your experience and your testimony. Um, I know that, um, that uh, people enjoy hearing a little bit more detail, many things that I'd not heard before um, mm -hmm. about your conversion experience. So um, thanks for taking the time to have a quick chat with me. My pleasure. Thanks for having a chat. 
Well, I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Judy. So many great principles and lessons we can draw out of it about um, God being mindful of us, the, uh, the role that missionaries members play in missionary work, along with, um, I guess, the role that uh, we as members play in fellowshipping those who are, who are new to the gospel. Um, as always, if you've got an experience that you'd like to share, please do reach out to me. Otherwise, till next time.